0: Hey, so before we start the show and all the cool stuff happens, this show was supposed to go up on Monday, and then I spent Monday feeling sick, and then I didn't post it. And then I didn't feel like going back and re-editing all the stuff out of the show that refers to things like Monday and days of the week and all that stuff. So as you're listening, please just like do me the favor and maintain the fiction that like maybe it's still Monday or... Alternatively you can pretend that I've lost my mind. Whatever makes you happy, but like just I apologize for like being unintentionally confusing to everyone out there. I just felt like hot garbage most of Monday, and sitting down and editing a podcast and posting a podcast was just not in the cards. So use your imagination, pretend, be gentle to me. I feel gross, but you know, the show must go on. Without further ado, here is the Monday edition on Tuesday of Lockdown Los Angeles Kings. Guys, I don't want to tell anyone, but I think this team is real bad right now. So today's Monday, February 10th. You're listening to Lockdown Los Angeles Kings. My name's Sarah. I'm your host. You know, I don't usually like I talk about myself on this show, obviously, but like, you know, I try to keep it hockey adjacent. Today's my birthday, and I have to talk about those two crappy games the Kings played over the weekend in New Jersey, in New York, where they just like, they just stunk real bad. And the fact that the Kings have chosen now, this time of year, to stop even being fun bad. We had a lot of games earlier this season. That they lost, but you were like, you know, at least they look competitive. At least I thought they might win. We don't have that anymore. That's done. Now they're just not fun to watch. They're not good. The young players who you want to see contributing necessarily are not contributing, uh, except for Alex I follow. Thank you, Alex I follow for like trying. I don't like it. I don't like it, guys, but we still got to talk about it. So, of course, the Kings played two games over the weekend. They played against the New Jersey Devils. On Saturday, on Sunday, they played against the New York Rangers. And instead of finding ways to give up two leads, uh, which had been the Kings thing for a little while, uh, lately they've decided to just not have a lead at all and not score at all and really just make everything terrible for all parties involved. Uh, they were shut out 3 to nothing by New Jersey in Cal Peterson's debut They lost 4-1 to the Rangers the next night, and you'd think that if players were making their auditions to try to prove their worth, to try to prove that they are good at what they do, and that they should have a future with this team, um, basically they should have tried a little harder to look useful. I don't think that anyone is smart enough there to do the reverse psychology thing of like, man, I really want to stay on the Kings and I don't want to get traded. So I'm just going to suck for like weeks on end until the trade deadline passes. I-, I don't think that's what's happening. I think they're just bad. And so in in New Jersey, where the Kings were playing against one of the worst teams in the league, all three goals came in the span of about five minutes. Just this very brief meltdown, this very brief moment of just playing like crap, and the Kings lost the whole game. Nikita Gusev scored the first goal. It was a one-timer on that play. Peterson had to slide across the crease to get to it uh, because the puck made sort of a cross-ice movement to get to Gusev. Peterson got just a little bit of his glove on it, but not quite enough. The second goal was on the penalty kill for the Kings. Sean Walker has a chance to get the puck out of the zone at the blue line, but he can't clear it, and the Devils did a really good job of clogging up the net so that Peterson couldn't see what was coming at him. The third goal, Walker again lost a battle in the corner. Dustin Brown had a chance to disrupt the pass as it was coming out from the corner, uh, out sort of more towards center ice, but he missed, and then from there, Cal Peterson was screened again, and probably couldn't even see what was coming at him. That goal, it actually took them a while, I think, to announce who scored it even, because they weren't completely positive like who it bounced in off of. So three goals in about five minutes of play. Devil's goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood got his second straight shutout. Uh, So he's feeling it right now, and the Kings certainly are not. In His post-game comments, Todd McClellan did say that he was very happy with Cal Peterson, that, you know, and I think the game tape bears this out, that you wouldn't necessarily put any of those three goals on Peterson. He wasn't getting any help, any support from the team in front of him, even taking aside the fact that no one scored. Uh, He wasn't particularly getting any help defensively either. McClellan used an analogy, uh, a baseball analogy, in talking about Peterson. He says, it's like a pitcher. You can almost throw a perfect game, but give up one run and lose. You need some run support, and we didn't give it to him. So the King's problem, scoring, as has always been... As is the way of the Los Angeles Kings, just no scoring whatsoever. McClellan, again, seeming increasingly frustrated with the sort of lack of contribution up and down the lineup from players. Um, McClellan called it a lot of vanilla. He goes on to say, you can't just play in the league. You've got to find a way to contribute and to compete in the league. And we need some guys like that right now. It can't always be Kopitar. It can't always be certain guys that do all the scoring. And we're not a strong enough team to prevent goose eggs every night. We're going to need some offense from guys and we didn't get it tonight. Later on in his comments, when he was asked about Trevor Moore, he also talked about Blake Lazotte and Austin Wagner uh, and kind of specifically cited them as guys who he was sort of referring to in that uh, statement about how you have to find a way to contribute and to compete uh, and He says, it's great that you're in the league, but you've got to find ways to contribute. They get enough offensive time. They get time on the power play. They get offensive chances. It's time to put a few of them in. I think this is kind of the closest he has come to actually directly calling out someone, calling out some of those players who we, you know, Wagner especially, has just struggled mightily this season to do anything and kind of wondering when McClellan was going to do something about that. And so this was sort of the first time that we actually saw him like really name names, let's say, as to who he was most particularly frustrated with that night. And Wagner, for his part, certainly had, from what I'm remembering, at least two chances on breakaways that he just could not bury. Uh, And that has been the story of the year for Austin Wagner. So you may find yourself wondering if being called out helped any of these guys perhaps see the light the next night against the New York Rangers. And the answer is, ah, kind of, not really. The Kings put 43 shots on Igor Shosturkin, and he stopped 42 of them. So at least the Kings were getting chances. That's uh, something. Uh, Shosturkin is a bit of a goalie phenom. He is almost definitely the goalie of the future for the Rangers. He's had six starts this season since being caught up from the AHL. He's now won five of them. Uh, But the Kings also allowed 41 shots to the Rangers. And I don't know where the Kings team went that was so good at shot suppression earlier this season, but I'd like them back because this sucks. The first goal, Jonathan Quick gives the puck away as he plays it behind the net, so uh, certainly would want that one back. That goal came 2 minutes and 23 seconds into the first period, started the game off poorly and just went downhill from there. Second period was scoreless. Third period was one of those ones where things just start palling up on you. Uh, 9 minutes, 20 seconds in, Capo Kako scores for the Rangers, who struggled kind of all this year. So of course he's, you know, scores against the Kings. On that one, Curtis McDermott's playing uh, the puck in the corner and he kind of loses a battle, uh, which, you know, he lost it to a smaller player. Like he, he, McDermott is like the size of a mountain. He could have, I don't know, played that one a little bit harder. Uh, he's not usually a guy to kind of back away in the corner. So don't really know what went on there. The player that he lost the battle to Uh, is, you know, younger and craftier and a good skater, and maybe that was it. I don't know. All I saw was Curtis McDermott kind of losing uh, his chance to stop a puck. Uh, The play, you know, comes back out to Kapokaku, who is well placed in front of the net, and boom, goal. About a minute later, Trevor Moore got on the board for the Kings, uh, his first goal, of course, in a Kings uniform, Uh, and, you know, then it was a one-goal game. That actually, like, gave you hope. Uh, And the whole sequence that this happened on was actually really neat uh, and, you know, maybe was enough to satisfy Todd McClellan that that kind of third line uh, was actually doing something, you know, it was a sequence that you want to see more of from guys like that. So Lazat takes the first shot, which goes wide. Moore collects the puck behind the net, carries it out front. Instead of shooting, he passes to Austin Wagner, which, you know, maybe is a mistake, uh, but whatever. Uh, The shot goes off Wagner's skate and just bounces right back out to Moore, All the Rangers players and Igor Sterkin, they all have gotten now set to defend against Wagner, who they think should have had the puck. So they had to scramble uh, to get back. And to get to more, and the puck went in. So it was a 2 1 game, and then of course the Kings just like kind of fall apart. Two goals scored on them in about like 37 seconds. One of them's an empty net goal, so like whatever. But Artemi Panarin scored to make it 3 uh, 1 when the Kings were kind of playing a little bit fast and loose because, you know, time's ticking down. They need a goal to tie the game up, and instead play goes the other way. Panarin just does not miss his shots. It's his 28th goal of the season. Like that's bonkers. So Kings lose to the New York Rangers because everything is terrible. They have lost nine of their last 10 games. That only game that they won came in overtime. It was the one that Alex Iafalo just basically took over. They've lost five in a row. The only good thing that came out of that game was the fact that Trevor Moore scored his first goal as a King. Like that was kind of cool. And if that line can keep that up, that's awesome too. Tyler Toffoli had seven shots on goal against the Rangers. Uh, Lots of guys in there with five. Kempe had five. Ayafalo had five. Jeff Carter had five. Only Kings players on the roster without a shot. Andrzej Kopitar somehow. I don't know how that happened. Carl Grunstrom, he had no shots on goal. Only played 10 minutes and 16 seconds, the lowest out of all the forwards. And then Drew Dowdy, no shots on goal. Weirdly enough, the scratches in this game for the Kings, Ben Hutton, Trevor Lewis, Derek Forbert. Those are a odd assortment of names to be scratched. And I don't know if it's a trade deadline thing. I honestly like didn't even think about Ben Hutton as someone who could get moved, even though he's only here on a one-year contract. But he actually would be a good trade for someone who is looking for a depth defenseman. Uh, Forbert could be injury, could be holding him out for a trade. Lewis, I don't know. Uh that was actually really interesting. And I think Lewis is one someone who had also been kinda called out for his play not being so great. Uh and he also is someone who has been rumored to be getting shopped around, so definitely keep an eye, I guess, on those three if they continue to be scratches or what, as we move forward. So the Kings play again on Wednesday. So they have a couple of days to go home and think about what they've done. They play the Calgary Flames. So that's not going to be fun. It's also a nationally televised game. So that's going to be even less fun because those always end up stinking. So I wanted to do a little bit of talking about the Ontario rain because they played a couple of pretty interesting games over the weekend. So I've got a special guest joining me right now on the show okay so I have my eye on the Ontario rain here I feel like it's always a great thing to get connected to other people and get connected to other podcasters and hockey media folks and you learn that like perhaps you end up with someone who gets to see your team more than you get to see them and so it's always fun whenever the rain do anything uh, particularly noteworthy to check in with my very own personal rain insider not Zach Dooley the actual rain insider but my uh, <laughs> undercover rain insider so today I have uh, Jason J.D. Hernandez, host of Lock It On Ducks, who is also my secret rain person. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Wow. That's high praise considering that Zach Dooley is an awesome fellow. And no, he's a good guy. I-, I love Zach. But let's get right into the what the rain have done the past few days.
0: Yes. So the rain played two games, and I feel like it was like good rain, bad rain, like a tale of two different Ontario rains.
1: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the best of times was when the rain played the bakersfield condors and scored 10 goals and yes they did win that game uh sometimes i feel like my fear with any kings oriented team is that like they would still have found a way to lose that game that is not what happened they scored 10 goals against the bakersfield condors won 10 to 3 and then they managed to set a couple of franchise records in the process. It was the very first time in rain history that they scored five goals in a period. They scored five in the first against uh, Bakersfield. And then 10 total goals is a brand new franchise record for the Ontario Reign. And so a couple guys had really noteworthy performances. Matt Villalta in kind of his first time out as the starter, I guess, now that Cal Peterson has gotten the big call up. Villalta looked really good. Gabe Villardi had Two goals and assists. Martin Firk had two goals and two assists, but the big story in that game is Boko Imama because he first off got the Gordie Howe hat trick. He got a goal, an assist, and a fight because this was the first time the Bakersfield. And the rain faced each other since Brandon Manning came back from his suspension. If you manage to miss all that, Manning was suspended for directing a racial slur at Boku Imama uh, during a previous Rain condors game. So very quickly into the start of the game, Imama and Manning dropped the gloves. It was inevitable. Everyone knew that it was going to happen and... As I've said on here on this show before, I could live without hockey fights, but that was something that needed to happen. I, I try not to take glee in grown men punching each other in the head. But oh, you know what? On, like come in this case. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did you think? What did you think about that game? The fight? The the everything? Uh, the 10 goals? <laughs>
1: First off, Boko Imama was the number one star of the game by far. No question about it. You could take away Marty Firk's four points. That's fine. You could take away Gabriel Velarde's game. That's fine. You could take all that away. You could add more to that. Boko Imama would have been the number one star of the game by a landslide. Because how often do you see a Gordie Howe hat-trick these days? Because fighting is leaving the game. Not often. And this was the best kind of Gordie Howe hat-trick because... You could see their replies on Twitter. You know, Boko Imama did not just enter the fight. He said, F you racism. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we like to see. And, you know, from from what I was looking at, you know, it looked like they kind of owed each other a fight. You know, Boko did say his public apology, but you could tell, you could tell that there was just a little bit more spice to it than any normal fight. Boko Imama did not just fight him he destroyed Brandon Manning you know he had a couple of shots after the lines and came in he had a couple more after that Boko Mama could have easily gotten you know a two five and a ten for that instead they gave him a two and a five and that was it and they still kind of jawed a little bit back and forth in the box who knows what was said but Boko Mama did I guess get him back for that and you could tell that he's still a little bit not sour about it but there's still that underline a little something there. You know what I mean?
0: This is a guy who every time Boko Mama sees him, it doesn't matter that there was an apology, no matter how much it was or was not sincere. Like he's going to see him and he's going to remember that. Like he's he probably remembers every time someone has said something horrific to him. Like I don't I don't know how you don't. And this this was a well-deserved fight. That was like the most deserved ass-kicking I have ever seen in a <laughs> hockey game. Like I knew it was going to happen. I was glad that Manning let it happen. Honestly, it's what he deserved, really. like There is no room for this in the game. There is no place for that that garbage. And if you're walking out on the street and someone directs... Hockey is the only place where you can, if someone says something completely horrible to you, that you can punch them in the face and it's okay. I'm so (laughs) glad you
1: put that so eloquently as far as the type of ass-kicking it was. That was such brilliant wording on your end i just love it completely and this was deserved this was completely deserved because of what brandon manning said and you could see it in the replies of almost everybody on twitter this was pretty much 99 percent of people saying you know what manning got the butt kicking he deserved you know what i mean it it was not just one little punch it was five six seven eight punches they were relentless punches Just going at him again and again and again. I'm sure even Brandon Manning was like, okay, I owe you that fight. But that may have been a little bit much. I don't know if they're done yet. Because these two teams do play each other again at Toyota Arena this coming Wednesday. (laughs) How are the fans going to react to this? I will bet you a shiny dollar. I'm not going to bet a dollar. But I'm going to bet that there's going to be a lot of rain fans that come into the arena wednesday night and they're going to be booing the ever-loving crap out of him and i would not blame them one bit and i'll tell you why i was also at toyota arena on friday and i was around a bunch of rain fans they had this look of glee when they saw the video of the fight taking place and even them telling me that we're going to boo him every time he touches the puck on Wednesday. I bet if some people already are going to boo him when he touches the puck, imagine how the rest of the fans are going to catch on to that. Not that I'm going to say it's going to be ugly. It's going to be something that's going to be worth mentioning, not just on this podcast, but maybe in a future podcast when we recap this game
0: as well. Because, you know, racism has no place in hockey. It just doesn't. Today on the show, I've been talking with Jason J.D. Hernandez of Locked on Ducks. He's my eye on the Ontario Reign, and we are going to go back right now to talking about the Reign's weekend with their games against the Bakersfield Condors and the Tucson Roadrunners.
1: I'm going to cycle back to something else because, you know, I do host Locked on Ducks and I do cover the goals. Uh, There was a documentary that came out this month and it will air next week on ESPN2 that is about Willie O'Ree. I don't know if you've seen or heard about that, but there's a new Willie O'Ree documentary that is taking place. I don't know if you've heard of that.
0: I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet because it isn't out yet.
1: It is on ESPN Plus and it's on ESPN 3. So I do recommend watching it. I did finally see it over the weekend. And I got to say, what you said earlier about players being called those names, you know, a lot of these guys have heard it before. Willie O'Ree even said in the documentary, he felt like he heard it all. You look at current players. They've been told, you know, stuff just like that. They've been called racial slurs multiple times. And yes, it does bug them. And yes, there is no place for that. So once again, if if you have a chance, I recommend watching the Willie O'Reill documentary. It is going to air next week on ESPN too. So I'm just kind of cycling back to the goals and, you know, all that stuff.
0: So you mentioned something else to to me when we were talking before this show about Brandon Manning uh in a game that you were watching. Uh and so I, I just you know, not only did he get his comeuppance uh as you could say in the recent game against the rain, but he also had a little moment that just kind of really warmed my heart. Let's say to see. So, what 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 kind of horrible other thing befell Brandon Manning lately?
1: Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I had to show this to Sarah immediately when it happened, and I'm so glad this game took place at Pechanga Arena because on Sunday night. The Bakersfield Condors took on the San Diego Goals and got their butts kicked by San Diego. But that wasn't the best part of the game. The best part of the game took place in the second period with 12 and a half minutes left because there was a magnificent goal by the San Diego Goals. But the best part about it was Jack Kapaka completely undressed Brandon Manning going towards the net. And Brandon Manning actually fell on his ass. He got his ankles broken as they would say in basketball terms. And then he passed it to a wide open Alex Broadhurst. Very easy goal. For San Diego there, but Brandon Manning just getting torched on that play. Everybody in the crowd was applauding that one because they know who it was that fell. golf fans know. They applauded the hell out of that.
0: It was very satisfying.
1: And I hope that's something that we're gonna see yeah, over I... and over again. And that's something that I will show all my brain oh, yeah. friends too. I'm gonna show I'm gonna make sure that they see that gif and say, okay, here's Brandon Manning on Friday. Here's Brandon Manning on Sunday. Hmm what's going to happen on Wednesday. Maybe he'll get decked again on his ass either by fight or by play.
0: It it was just it was the most satisfying like bad hockey play I've ever seen. It was just real great.
1: So going back to the game on Friday night, Ontario did put up 10, count them 10 goals and Boko's second goal of the season. That was his first goal since opening weekend. That's how long it took because Boko was completely fired up on opening weekend. He was more than fired up for this game. So you knew the Ontario rain were going to come out and win it for him. There was a bit of that extra energy from the entire team. But then we go into Saturday's game, and I know you wanted to ask about that, so I will let you ask the question.
0: Yeah, so Saturday, the Ontario Reign played the Tucson Roadrunners, who we all know are one of, if not the possibly best team in the league, uh, definitely the top team in the Pacific. But Saturday was also pink in the rink night in Ontario, and it is exactly what it sounds like. The rink was very pink. So for people who are not familiar with what pink in the rink is, can you give the kind of spiel the elevator pitch uh, as to what pink in the rink is
1: can i get a shout out out there first that does relate yes so first off they were selling these wonderful pink rally towels and they were sold it was a fundraiser for the ontario moose youth hockey team that plays at the rink once in a while so i got to give a shout out to the ontario moose youth hockey team there's your shout out guys they were selling some wonderful towels some rally towels there for a couple bucks and proceeds did go to charity but the ice the ice was magnificent and it was pinker than last year it was also more even than last year and the reason for that is it is breast cancer awareness month for february and there was a lot of breast cancer survivors that did come out as the heroes of the day before the game and during the game and they were recognized by the one and only dave joseph and just seeing the applause for all these breast cancer survivors that was a real treat And I know that it means a lot to the players because, you know, the players, they've had to deal with relatives having this kind of cancer before. This has been talked about on different media outlets, but breast cancer affects so many people and it affects so many families. And to see the rain do something like that, I think is just a wonderful cause. I'm glad that the rain bring it to the forefront by dyeing the ice pink. The entire rink is not just a light pink, but a very bright pink pink it does look very cool in person and that you could see on my twitter which is also at stimpyjd once again and i did post a couple of pictures and how the ice looked not just from afar but also up close uh it looked magnificent this is a fantastic job that the rain do every season and i'm very glad that they do this every season.
0: So lovely that they do this, and it's something that, yeah, like you said, I know the players all look forward to, and you know the players themselves. Many of them have family members who have been affected by this, so I think it's really meaningful. It would have been nice if the rain could have come away with the win, but instead they lost five one to Tucson. Austin Strand scored the only goal for the rain. They were down four nothing by the end of the second period, uh, and just could not climb back up from that. So what do you think happened? Is Tucson just that good? Did they use up all their goals against Bakersfield? Are they cursed? What's going on? It's a
1: little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Tucson was coming into the game on a pretty bad losing streak. And in fact, before the game, Stockton had the division lead. They had it. So Tucson knew that they needed to win this game and they needed to win big to reclaim the division lead. And they came out firing right away. It was shot after shot. And they were high quality shots early on, too. Uh, Michael Chaput got it started early on, and right from the opening draw, the ice was completely tilted, and I could say to my friends next to me, oh boy, watch out. And sure enough, one goal, two goals, three goals. They were coming in fast and furious the entire game. Tucson did... At one point in the game, Tucson was out shooting them by threefold. I want to say it was 33-11 at one point in the game. I think it was also a little bit from B, where Ontario was on the back end of a back-to-back. So after coming off that emotional high on Friday, they come back and pretty much just have a dud on Saturday, but they had spent so much energy and so much passion on the previous game that they looked sapped on Saturday night, which is a shame because to have that kind of egg laid on pink in the rink night, it kind of sucks. But if you're a rain fan, you still have to be happy with the 10 goal drubbing of Bakersfield because that was the game that, in the minds of a lot of Rain fans, it meant more to win that game against Bakersfield because of everything else behind it. And it would feel a lot better for Rain fans if they come back from that loss and defeat Bakersfield again on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, so they have a pretty quick turnaround, and hopefully, they'll be able to harness that emotion again. Uh, When Bakersfield comes to town. And then I guess the plus is that they have a couple days off before they have to play again. So maybe there won't be that same kind of fall on their face because they used up all of their energy the night before. So next rain game is on Wednesday, February 12th uh, at home against Bakersfield. And if you thought that Ontario took it to Bakersfield before on the road, uh, I can only imagine the performance that they're going to try to hold against them in their own rank. So thank you for coming on the show today to give me the inside scoop on the Ontario rain and on pink in the rink and all of that great stuff. As always, a pleasure to have my very own uh, Ontario rain correspondent, as we shall say, joining me on the show. Of course, if you're interested in learning about the ducks or the gulls, you You can always check out Locked on Ducks uh, on the Locked on Podcast Network. So thanks for coming on the show and we'll most definitely be talking again soon. So that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, hanging out with this podcast, even though the Kings are kind of stinky right now. That sucks. And I'm glad that you are here with me we can all suffer together. We'll be back tomorrow. So thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah at Locked on LA Kings. Make sure you're following the show, subscribe to the show. Uh, If you have any questions, anything you want me to talk about, especially as we get closer to the trade deadline, send me a tweet, send me a DM, whatever. I would love to hear from you and make sure that we're talking about what you want to hear about on this show. So like, subscribe, leave a review or a rating, and of course, tell all of your friends all about it and make sure everyone is tuning in to Locked on Los Angeles Kings for now that's it for Locked On Los Angeles Kings part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day